Good morning, everyone. We've been um, walking through a, a series of sermons and talks through the biblical book of Daniel. Uh, today, we're going to take a, a, a bit of a break from the book of Daniel, and uh, I, I want to speak to us about longing and, and, and prayer. Sigmund Freud was, uh, was a psychoanalyst, and uh, C.S. Lewis was a philosopher and a storyteller. They were vastly different men pursuing vastly different professions. And yet, when both of them began the journey of understanding and articulating the deep longing of the human heart, they couldn't quite find an English word to describe it it fully. Both of their work kind of peaked at pretty much the same time uh, early in the 20th century, but they never really worked together. Uh, I don't think they even met each other. And yet, their search for a good word to, to describe the deep and inconsolable longing of the human heart led them not to an English word, but to a German word. And both of them, in their own separate and distinct journeys, found the German word, Zenjukt. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Zenjukt. To be a satisfying word to describe this inconsolable longing of the human heart. Zenjukt. The intense longing for anything perfect and ideal and almost beyond human capacity to realize. When I use the word longing or zenjukt, I'm not referring to the, some things we long for. You know, I'm sure all of us long for an iPhone 10. That's not the longing that I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the longing that we all have to express community. That's the kind of longing that we talk about. The phone can never get that, but it can be a tool to help us stay connected, something deeper. That's the kind of longing I'm talking about. Such deep and intense longing has, has always existed across time in every human culture. Human beings have always longed for better relationships, better careers, better homes, better comfort, better security, and better purpose. And whenever such longing has existed, it has almost inevitably, inevitably also been accompanied by prayer. It is through this intense and almost inconsolable longing through this prism of human longing that I want, I'd like to preach this morning on the theme of prayer. If you're a single and, and deeply longing for a life partner, you know what I'm talking about. If you're married and still seeking the joy and fulfillment of a perfect and ideal family, you know the longing I'm talking about. Or if you're in a well-paying job, doing well in your career, but still searching for deep fulfillment in your, in your work, 
you know the longing I'm talking about. It doesn't matter if you've been to a church a thousand times, been to church a thousand times, or if this is your very first time in a church. We can both relate to this longing of the human heart. It doesn't matter if you've read, a Bible, read the Bible a thousand times, or if you've never even touched the Bible, we can both relate to this deep longing of the human heart. I want to look at a passage this morning where Jesus taught his disciples how to have this longing fulfilled through prayer. I'm going to read from the book of Matthew. Matthew was a follower of Jesus, and he wrote an account, an exhaustive account of the life of Jesus. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 11. The verses will come up here. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And, the one, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If, then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Allow me to pray for us. Father, we pray by your Holy Spirit. Would you help us see our hearts this morning, Lord? Help us see the reality of our hearts. Help us to see how much of our hearts we have for Jesus. And help us to see how much of God's heart is full of thoughts about us, dreams for us, blessings for us. We pray that as we see this, Christ Jesus will fill our hearts. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to reflect over on, on four words from this passage over the next 30 minutes or so. Two of the words that I want to reflect on this morning are pretty evident in this passage. But two words are unwritten in the passage. These are the four words I want to look at. Doubting, asking, longing, and receiving. Doubting and longing are two unwritten words in the passage, but, but they are there. And asking and receiving are pretty obvious in that passage. Let's start with doubting. The passage... I read out is designed to bring hope to our hearts. The passage is designed to bring faith in our hearts. It's designed to help us believe that God is going to give us everything that we ask for. That is what Jesus intended and that is what Jesus will accomplish in each of our lives. But in the interim, I think all of us had journeyed in life 
and have been through stages or perhaps are in a stage where this passage doesn't bring hope to us, but it brings pain to us. Pain because we have asked and not received. Pain because we have sought and not found. Pain because we have knocked on the door and it has not been open to us. If we are honest with ourselves, we cannot run away from this problem of unanswered prayer. Every single one of us without exception, we've journeyed through life not having our prayers answered. That doesn't mean God doesn't exist. That doesn't mean God doesn't care for us. That's what we're going to grapple with, wrestle with today. And as we've journeyed through life with unanswered prayers, doubt has crept into our hearts. Two kinds of doubts. We've begun to doubt God, and we've begun to doubt ourselves. How do we doubt God? When we pray and our prayers aren't being answered, we begin to wonder, does God really exist? Does he really care? Is, is God indifferent? Why is God so distant? Or we begin to doubt ourselves. Maybe I'm a really bad human being. Maybe the things I've done in my past has made God so angry with me that he's not answering my prayer. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe I can never be close to God. We, those are doubts about ourselves. Which side of this doubt that we swing to, that we tend to move away to, tells us in which direction we are moving away from God's grace in our lives. Those of us who are more likely to doubt God, perhaps we may be more prone, more vulnerable, more weak to a, to a licentious way of living, where we take sin and God's holiness lightly. And because we are disappointed with God or so we've convinced ourselves, persuaded ourselves to believe, uh, you know, our anger, our doubt for God is expressed in the form of a rebellion against Him. And we might, if this is what we are vulnerable to, we, we take sin very lightly. We take God's holiness very lightly and we might give in to indulging in sin. Those of us, on the other hand, who are more likely to to doubt ourselves, we might be vulnerable to a legalistic kind of thinking which also takes us away from God. We are quite likely, more likely to beat ourselves up. I have to try harder. I have to strive more to earn God's blessing. We need to remember that these are both different ways to walk away from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. We all struggle with unanswered prayer. Is this passage, is this part of the Bible, the different passages in the Bible which talks about prayer and God will answer you, are they really true? Did Jesus indeed say, of this, say all of this? And if that's true, why am I struggling? We've also had smart answers given to us. 
Sometimes others have given us these smart answers. Sometimes we've preached these smart answers to ourselves. What are these smart answers? God is always in control. God will always answer your prayer. He will always say yes, no, or wait. That's not what this passage says. Or another really smart answer is, God's not asking, answering your prayer because he's got something better for you. You know, these smart answers don't take away the pain of unanswered prayer. Another very smart answer is, is God, um, you know, we, we kind of tell this to ourselves, we tell this to each other, that if you pray for something bad, God will not give you that bad thing because he wants only good for you. That's not what this passage says. This passage does not say if a son asks for a stone, God will give him bread. You will give him bread. No, in this passage, the illustration Jesus is using is, is if your son asks, him, asks you for bread, which is a good thing. Right? This passage is saying when, when you ask God for a good thing, he will give you. And we're all asking God for good things. I don't think any of us are asking God for bad things. And so we feel pain when we ask God for good things and God has not given us. At least we have not received it yet. A life partner. It's not stone, it's bread. It's a good thing we are asking God. A job without stress. A better place, a better home to live in. Good things we've been asking God. And I'm sure some of us are in that place where we haven't yet seen that answer. Is God tricking us? Is God leading us to disappointment? Doubt is the unspoken word screaming to us from beneath this passage. For some of you, this doubt may have actually led you to a point of indifference. Maybe you're at a place where you don't really care about God anymore. I'm not saying these feelings and emotions and responses are right. I'm not justifying them. But at the same time, I'm also not dismissing these feelings which every one of us have endured at some point of time or the other. That's the first word I wanted to reflect on from the passage, doubting. The second word I want to reflect on from this passage is asking. This passage, in this passage, when Jesus is teaching his disciples, he began by, um, we, be, we began, not Jesus, we began by talking about doubts, doubts we have about God, doubts we have about ourselves. And this passage confronts these doubts head on in a very surprising way. Uh, this passage is actually not telling us what we expect. For those of us who are doubting us, Am I really good enough? Uh, have the things that I've done, are they so bad that God doesn't love me anymore? For those of us who are struggling with those doubts, this passage is not saying, no, no, you're good. No, no, you haven't done bad things, you're good. That's not what the passage is saying. This passage is not trying to normalize things. This passage is actually in our face calling us evil. Verse 11, If then you who are evil. God is addressing the condition of the human heart. Evil. 
This passage is not in denial. It is true. It is giving us a brutally honest understanding of who God is and who we are. This passage is helping us see that we underestimate God's goodness and we underestimate our own wickedness. What does this passage say about God? It says God is good. What does it say about us? It says we are evil. Having said God is good and having said we are evil, this, in this passage Jesus is telling us, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This passage is bringing together the reality of God's goodness, our wickedness, and not disqualifying us based on that divide, but in Jesus, still exhorting us and encouraging us to ask. We are all asking for good things. I'd like to believe that there's no one here who's asking, you know, if you're single, I'd like to believe no one here is praying for two husbands or two wives. I'm certain that's not the case. We're praying for a life partner. Or I'm sure none of you have been praying yesterday, God, I want to rob this bank. Please help me accomplish this. None of us are doing that. We're all praying for good things. I mean, can you think of anything bad you prayed for? I mean, at least the psalmist, they pray. I mean, some of the prayers in the psalms are quite, quite shocking, you know. Uh, you know, break his jaws, Lord. I hope none of us have prayed that prayer. No, we are all praying for good things. We are asking God for good things. So when we are asking God for good things, why is God not answering our, our prayer? And that brings us to the, to the third word I want to reflect on. We'll answer this question. Why, does, why doesn't God always answer a prayer? I'm going to try my best to answer that question before we close today. That brings us to the third word from the passage, an unspoken word from the passage that I want to reflect on, longing. The second unspoken word, and that's the word that C.S. Lewis and, and Freud both came to, in German, Jenjuxt. Why is Jesus exhorting us to ask in this passage? Jesus is exhorting us to ask because he sees the Zenjukt of our heart. Why is Jesus exhorting us to ask? He's exhorting us to ask because he sees the deep, inconsolable longing of the human heart and he wants to fulfill it. He wants to fulfill it. Jesus sees, if you see the flow of this passage, Jesus sees the longing of the passage, but he is not immediately giving us this longing. Instead, he's calling us to ask. You see, between the longing and the receiving, there is an asking. And this asking is Jesus is inviting us to enjoy God as our Father. And so as we see the longing of, a human, of the human heart, your longing and mine, in the light of our relationship with the Father, I want to invite us to answer for ourselves to honest questions 
these are not easy questions to answer. And easy, not easy because it's, it's not hard to understand or complex. It's not easy to answer because sometimes we don't see our own hearts clearly enough. And that's why these two questions are very difficult to answer. So I'd like you to really take some time, reflect before you answer the question. The first question I want to ask us, is our longing really overflowing into asking? Is our longing really overflowing into our asking? What's the one thing your heart has deeply longed for this past six months? You know what it is. Look back and reflect very objectively, very honestly. How much have you really asked your father for this longing? How much have you really prayed? You know, Sarita and I were having a chat just before the service began, and I was telling her how this sermon came home to my heart. One of my deepest longing. Uh, over the last six months, over the last year, over the last two years, over the last three years, has been to see God bless more and more and more people through New City. The deepest longing of my heart. And I've been laboring in this longing. I think most of you see that most of the time. And yet when I sat back and asked myself this question, I was really shocked and surprised to find that my longing had not translated enough to asking my father. In the busyness of ministry, I had forgotten to enjoy my father. I saw a gap between my longing and my asking. When Jesus exhorts us to ask, to seek, to knock, he is talking to, to me and to people like me who have a deep longing but are refusing to ask God to give them that longing. Is there a great divorce between your longing and your asking? Some of us have been praying for a breakthrough in our careers or businesses. Are we really praying our longing? Some of us are searching for life partners, waiting on God to life for, for our life partners. Are we praying our longing? Some of us want the very best for our children. Mother's Day. Are we praying our longing? Are we praying our longing? There is a huge danger in not praying our longing. Big danger. And I, I wonder if we really realize this danger. If I am not praying for the one thing I'm longing for, what is happening to me? If I am longing for something, but I am not praying for it, what is happening to me? Let me explain. When I'm longing for something, my heart is getting more and more fixed on that one thing. And if I am not praying my longing to God, my longing is separating me from God. 
every time I long for something and I don't ask the Father what I'm longing for, there is one degree of separation. Every time a longing is not turning into asking our Father, we've just moved one step away from our Father. If I am not praying my longing, that longing is slowly and surely taking me away from God. This is how idols are born in our hearts. What's an idol? An idol is anything, good things, anything that we love more than we love God. The second honest question that brings us to the second honest question I'd really want to encourage us to reflect on. Is our longing creating a great divorce from God? Is our longing for good things? We've established none of us are longing for bad things. Is our longing for good things separating us from God? If we are longing for something and we are not asking God, persistently, perseveringly, if we are not asking God, what does it tell us about ourselves? If I'm longing for something and if I'm not asking my father for that, it tells me that I have rejected God as my father. Functionally, practically, that's what it means. If my son needs something and he doesn't ask me, if our daughter needs something and she doesn't ask me for it, it shows that I'm not top of their hearts, top of their minds. And so, in not asking our longing, we are not only rejecting God as our Father, but functionally, practically, we are also rejecting the finished work of Christ on the cross. Because what makes God our Father? Not everyone can just call and relate to God as our Father. We are adopted into God's family because Christ Jesus was punished for all our sins on the cross and he rose again from the dead and got us adopted into God's family. It is the work of Christ that enables us to enjoy God's fatherhood over us. And so when we don't pray our longings, not only are we rejecting the Father, God our Father, we're also rejecting the finished work of Christ on the cross. Experiencing a longing and not going to God with that longing is sinning against God. This is sin. We have to admit it. What is happening when we allow a great divorce between our longing and our asking? What is happening in us, what is happening to us, when we are allowing our longings to separate us from God? What is the consequence of longing and not praying? This is the consequence. We are failing as children of God. We are faring poorly as children of God. You are failing as a son of God. You're failing as a daughter of God. I'm failing as a child of God. 
when we are not turning our longing into praying, we are spurning the love of God. We fail as children of God. And when that happens, what do we end up with? We end up with an orphan mindset. You know, that's it's the term that we, we use quite frequently in, in New City. What do we mean by an orphan mindset? You know, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we live as if God is not our father. Or we live in functional disbelief that God is our father. That's an orphan mindset. And in the past, I'm guilty of this, we have often psychologized the problem of an orphan mindset. What do I mean by that? We've said, you know, these are the challenges I faced as a child. I had a very difficult childhood. My wife and I, both of us, we don't really have a good image of our father. And I, I think that's true of a lot of people. So psychologizing the problem is saying that because I had all this, I am behaving like an orphan. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. What I'm saying is we shouldn't merely only psychologize the problem. <clears throat> we have to understand that living in an orphan mindset is sinning against God. This is what I mean. We experience an orphan mindset... We often feel like orphans, not because God has rejected us, but we have rejected God. We have to own up and take responsibility that we feel alone, we feel abandoned. No, we feel that nobody is for us, not because God has abandoned us. But we have abandoned God. We have rejected God. You know... And this often mindset kind of manifests in many different ways. It, it, it just flows out in a life in many different ways. I still remember as a child, um, I was maybe four years old, five years old. I don't know if these things exist, but one of the greatest longing of my heart at that point of time was a gun rubber. You know, basically, it was, a, it, it was an eraser in the form of a gun. It was a toy and a tool. I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I feel like a dinosaur. Nobody seems to be able to know what this is, right? It's a small eraser that you use for your schoolwork inside a gun. So you unscrew the gun and out comes the eraser, you know? So, and uh, so I'd been asking my parents for it for many months and finally they got me and it was my treasured possession. Now, I, I, as much as I talked about a difficult childhood and not having a good father image, you know, I, I also have to take responsibility. I don't think I was an easy child at all. <laughs> not at all. And so I can't remember what I did, uh, but I'm sure I did something really bad. Uh, and my parents, as a discipline of me, you know, gave me a time out. They put me into a room and locked the door. And I resented their discipline. I rejected the good they were trying to do into me. And so I got angry. I got so angry that I took this treasured possession of mine, the gun rubber, and I banged it on the floor and it broke. It took me a moment to realize, what have I done? And then I realized I was playing out an orphan mindset. I was destroying good gifts that my parents had given me. We do that. Um, the way we treat our bodies sometimes, sins like pornography, that's destroying the good gifts God has given us. And we do that out of an orphan mindset. Orphan mindsets manifest in different ways. 
in my own case in my own struggle over the past few months when i'm longing for god to bring more explorers who don't know jesus to faith in jesus through new city when i'm longing for more followers of jesus to grow in in and in the image and the likeness of jesus when i'm longing for all of this and when i'm not asking and praying to god for all of these things in a way that's commensurate with my longing i'm not saying i don't pray at all but i'm being convicted of not praying in a manner that's commensurate to this longing i I'm, i'm not going to my father my longing for the father seems so feeble and small in the light of my longing to see new city grow that's my sin when i'm doing that i am failing as a child of god and the truth is we are all failing as children of god not one person here not you not me none of us none of us have been a faithful child of god there is only one perfect child of god christ jesus the son of god in every area we have failed as children of god christ jesus lived as the perfect child of god always loving the father always praying to the father always taking the longings of his heart and asking his father for that not just taking his longing but making the father his ultimate longing the life of jesus is characterized by asking god in prayer Jesus prayed publicly and in private. Jesus prayed in the morning and at the night times. Jesus prayed alone and with the disciples and before the public. Jesus prayed before starting out his work for the day. Jesus prayed before at the end of his work for the day. Jesus also prayed as he was doing his work for the day. Jesus prayed before making important decisions. Jesus prayed at parties, he prayed in the church. Jesus prayed with sick people, he prayed with healthy people. Jesus prayed with young people, he prayed with old people. Jesus prayed long prayers. Once he took 40 days of fasting just to pray, and sometimes he prayed through the night. Jesus prayed long prayers, and Jesus also prayed short one-sentence prayers. Jesus prayed when he was happy. Jesus prayed to his father when he was sad. Jesus prayed a few days before he went to the cross. Jesus prayed the night before he went to the cross. Jesus prayed when he was hanging on the cross. And he was rejected by God hanging on the cross. Because we know that Jesus was punished by God himself. Because we failed as children of God. He was punished so we could be forgiven he was accept he was rejected so we could be accepted in the end on the cross jesus received the prayer rejection we deserved so we in order that we get the prayer reception he deserved his prayers were rejected his prayer on the cross was rejected because our prayer every one of our prayers could be accepted let this sink in 
we are all failing miserably as children of God. But Jesus was the only perfect child. He was rejected so we could be accepted. Jesus was punished for our failures. So God need not punish us. And so if this is moving your heart, if the sacrifice of God's perfect child, perfect son, to save all of us who are imperfect children, if this sacrifice is moving us, allow me to give us a practical application here and now. This morning, I want to call us to change our grieving. Change our grieving. Till now, we were longing, we were grieving because our longing was not met. Till now, we were grieving because we think our prayers are not being answered. And so this morning, I want to invite us to change our grieving. Grieve because, not because our longing was not met, but grieve because we have not been praying our longings. Grieve not because your prayer and mine has not been answered, but grieve because we have rejected the Father in not praying our longing. Change your grieving now. The fourth and the last thing I want to draw for us from the passage, we'll close in about five minutes or so. Receiving. Ask and it will be given to you. We have failed as children of God. But Jesus has said it right. We, we, not, we are not living while we accept, while we acknowledge, while we are convicted that we are living. We have failed as children of God. We are not condemned. Because Jesus was punished in our place. Jesus has given, given us his status as the perfect child. So now, because of Jesus, because of what he has done, we can live as better children. But how? That's the second application I want to lead us to this morning. How can I live as a better child of God? How can I grow to become a, a better child of God? And the answer lies in the central exhortation that Jesus is teaching us in this passage, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. The call to ask is a call, is an invitation to enjoy God's fatherhood over us. We can become better children of God by asking Him. It's as simple as that. We bring joy to the Father's heart by asking Him. Because when we ask Him, we are living out our faith that, that because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, we are indeed children of God. Because when we ask, we are experiencing what God wants us to experience, His adoption of us into His family. So the call to ask in this passage, is not a call to ask apart from God, but a call to ask in God and through God. The things we are asking are not bad things. They are good things. And our Father wants to give us these good things. But our Father knows that if we are not able to love Him, even when we don't have these things that we long for, then we don't love the Father at all. Let me repeat that. Our Father knows 
that if we are not able to love him, even when we don't have the things we long for, then we don't love him at all. The question God is asking, what is your greatest love? A father also knows that whatever it is, all the good things we long for, a father knows that we will never ever be fulfilled in any of these things by themselves. He knows that it is only in Christ that we will find ultimate fulfillment. I want to give us a very simple and practical application. I really hope and I want to encourage us to to, to apply this in our lives. If you have your mobile phones, if you're taking notes on a sheet of paper, would you write down the deepest longing of your heart? Or just, just rehearse it in your mind, whatever, whatever you find comfortable with. Once you identify that, once you've articulated that deepest longing of your heart in your heart, or if you've written it down, would you ask God to give you the commitment to pray that longing to your fathers, to your father, to God your father, in Christ Jesus without fail for the next seven days? Would you take five minutes, ten minutes, that's all, going to the father in the strength we have based on what Christ has done for us, Ask him for your longing. You see, in asking him, you're not moving away from God, but you're moving to God, your Father. And that's the application. I want you to, if you feel moved by God, if, if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, would you commit to that? Very simple. And would you seal that commitment by sharing that with someone, anyone? It could be a spouse, could be a friend, uh, here in New City, could be someone part of your, your home group, your gap group. Anyone, share it with someone. Encourage one another to pray seven days. Ask the Father for the longing of your heart. I have one more thought which I want to sh share with those of us who are explorers of Jesus, who are still checking Jesus out. I mean, you're curious about Jesus. You, you, you really like this Jesus. You, you find that you cannot reject him and you, you're finding joy in this community. Allow me to just share one thought for you, for those of us who are explorers of Jesus. Can you indeed call God your father apart from Jesus? How? On, on what basis? How do you know you have this relationship with God your Father? God as your Father. We need Jesus to relate with God as our Father. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was very clear. He said for anyone to relate with the Father, his sins had to be forgiven. His wickedness had to be wiped clean and he had to be perfect. No man, no woman is perfect. Only Christ is perfect. And when we come to faith in Jesus, we can celebrate God as our Father. 
I want to close with, with a poem by German poet, poet Johann Wolfgang. Only those who know longing, Zenjukt, only those who know longing know what sorrows, what sorrows me. Alone and separated from all joy, I look into the firmament to the yonder side. Alone and separated from all joy, I look into the firmament to the yonder side. I don't know if Johann Wolfgang was, was a follower of Jesus. I don't know. But he intuitively knew that the shenjukt or the longing of a heart, the deep, inconsolable longing of the human heart could never be fulfilled by anyone on this side of the world. He knew that we need someone from the yonder side to come and fulfill the deepest longing of our hearts. Only Jesus, the Son of God, who came from the yonder side, the Son of God, who died and rose again for our sins, only Jesus can fulfill the deepest longings of our heart. Will you make Jesus the ultimate longing of your heart? Let's pray. Father, we uh, come before you in worship. Uh, we thank you for helping us see our brokenness. We thank you for helping us see how we have failed as children of God. But we know that in this conviction, there is no condemnation, Lord. There is only love and acceptance and, and rejoicing and deliverance and transformation, Lord. We pray, Spirit of God, even as we over the next seven days write and pray and ask our longing to our Father. Help us grow in our experience of God the Father. And yes, Lord, we believe in faith. You will answer that prayer. You will answer, Lord. We believe in that. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.